Welcome back to To The Bottom Music Podcast. Tonight's guest is Kevin Presbury. He's an accomplished ukulele player, badass songwriter, and he looks damn good in a Hawaiian shirt, if you ask me. Tonight, we explore the unknowns of what it takes to play music night after night in this great city that we call Chicago. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Eric. And we're here today with Kevin Presbury. We are. Good good job on the pronouncing, too. That's, Thank you. Yeah. I've been, I was like, shit, how do you say his name? Presbray? Press? Is it Pres or Prez? Um, I mean. Or is that kind of like ambiguous? Presbury is, Presbury is how, you know, nobody really says Presbury. But, right. you know, growing up in close proximity to a place named Presbury. Right. Has completely destroyed our family's name for our generations. <laughs> So it's been mispronounced pretty much everywhere. So yeah. I, I always can appreciate, because I can't tell you how many times I've showed up at venues and places where people have just uh, been a little lethargic in their, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. I just throw anything up there, you know, close enough. Right. 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 Try Varel. <laughs> it's a Vor, Voral? Voral. Are you Eric? Wait, it's not, it's not Voral? Voral? No. It's news to me. Yeah. Well. I've been saying Voral for Vorel. years. Voral. <laughs> Voral. It's French. <laughs> yeah. Is It is French, right? A little Isn't bit, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, just a tip. Slovak and not uh, just yeah, and oh. uh, Polish. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Well, actually, I'll check. I believe in just a tad. You ch- you check and get back to me. I will. Okay. All so right. Kevin, tell everybody who you are, what you do. Well, I mean, there's a there's a long history here to go through, but I uh, you know in a nutshell, I'm a full time. Music educator, performing musician. I've been in the music industry for eh, roughly probably 20 plus years now, starting off as a solo acoustic performer, which kind of morphed into playing with a band called Painkiller Hotel and yeah. growing that into, a, you know, an alt rock touring artist um, through the up through about 2010, 2011. And then it was back to kind of more of this sort of Americana rootsy uh stuff and then the birth of the the ukulele into my world um which came about 2010 11 too so i kind of started going more in the back to my roots of the kind of more folky singer songwriter stuff that i was doing before um and for the about last you know 10 12 years i've been putting out records under my name and started this whole thing called all for uke where i built this kind of big teaching platform uh, YouTube channel, kind of all of this different uh, educational material for ukulele, and I've just been kind of riding this, riding this out. I've got big plans for the for the upcoming year and a lot of lot of stuff going on. So, but yeah, in a nutshell, I'm a you know I'm a musician at heart and a, and a teacher at heart, really too. Cool. So, what got you into music to begin with? <clears throat> well, you Did- know, I started digging into music i think you know in my high school years i started really listening to music a little differently i think and paying attention more to what was going on in the radio and you know i kind of had that sort of cliche you know like listening to classic rock type stuff when i was in high school and you know i'd listen to like the guns and roses and all that stuff when i was kind of in, i was like the mtv generation you know right. so everything was coming out on mtv music videos and that's what i wanted to hear and that's what I'd hear on the radio. Um, but then I discovered the Beatles, which I hadn't really heard. And, right, you right. know, and my and my parents were listening to like Fleetwood Mac and 
Hendrix and you know all kinds of different stuff. And my dad had this extensive like CD collection, and I discovered that in the basement one time, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna just like rip through all these. So I discovered that, and then it was like Led Zeppelin. Once I found Led Zeppelin, that was kind of the point where I decided like, nah. yeah, yeah, I was just like, I, I want to, I want, like, I, I heard, I remember hearing Over the Hills and Far Away, and I was like, what is, like, what is this? I haven't, I haven't heard anything like this. And I went yeah. over, I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house when I was growing up. I was really close with my uncle, and my uncle was a great harmonica player. I didn't know that he played music at all. I didn't know that he was a, I mean, I knew he played harmonica. I didn't know he was a guitar player or anything else, but him and his buddy, you know, were down in the basement at my grandparents' house, and they were playing acoustics one night, and they said, you know, I was like, can you play Over the Hills and Far Away? And they're like, yeah. And it's like break into it, playing it like duo on the acoustics. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, like, right. And I was like, man, Michael's like, yeah. He's like, you can, you can play guitar. I'm like, no, I can't. I'm like, I'm like, you guys are, I'm like, there's no way I could do this. Yeah. So he gave me this like beat up ovation, um, applause that he had had, yeah. you know, that he had. And he said, here, he's like, take this home. And he's like, uh, I'll write down some like diagrams for you and stuff. And I was just doing this all on paper with, you know, pencil and paper sitting there writing down chords. He's like, just, you know, meet me. You know, he's like, you want to come over? I'll, I'll show you a few things on the guitar. So at that point, like this was in my junior year of high school. And I remember I had a party at my house. And when I say party, this was like, you know, maybe I had like six or seven people over to the house. My parents were out of town and they found out because the neighbor like snitched on us basically. Like we didn't even do anything. Like the neighbor just like, came over and was yeah. like told my dad and he like nothing never nothing happened it wasn't like the cops came or anything but this guy just like made it sound like we had this like you know cocaine like flying all over the house and I was like which was I think we had like one case of corona for like the yeah. whole party yeah. you know like which I'm looking back in hindsight I'm like wow dude this guy just like was trying to take me down for yeah. for something pretty but what happened was I got grounded for that. And my parents were like, you're grounded indefinitely, not because you had a party, because you lied about the party. <laughs> I was just like, all right, fine. So in this uh, this period, only thing I was allowed to do, I couldn't go anywhere after school except I could go to my uncle's house. Yeah, That was the only place my parents would allow me to go. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to like go over there as much as I can, and then I'll come back and practice. So that's kind of how it all started. And really, I mean, honestly, it's just been music ever since that point i just remember falling into it more in college and i just really all i wanted to do was play you know i was i was still playing sports and doing other stuff but music was just like kind of consuming me and then i started performing little shows at coffee houses and i was living in maine at the time and i was playing at all these little coffee shops and little bars and i was going to open mic nights and were you going to school out there or? i was going to school out there yeah so i was going to school studying environmental science Oh. Yeah, I know. Pretty world, you know, pretty all over the place, really. Yeah. I wanted to go into meteorology. I wanted to I wanted to go into weather. Um, but I was kind of like, I knew that I didn't really want to go into anything other than music. Yeah. But I was like, I'm going to finish out and try to get this degree because I'm already into this. And nobody's really going to, like, believe me that I'm actually going to pursue music or do anything as sure. like a career with this. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, sure. It'll be a short-term thing, and you'll get over it. But I just, just kind of kept rolling with it. And uh, I remember my first, like, paid gig <laughs> was at this place in Winthrop, Maine. It was, like, this little towny bar, like, in 
it was called like Barney's or something like that. And they had like, this is before flat screens. They had one of those like giant TVs that just like sat on the ground. That was a big screen. Yeah. And they had a NASCAR race going and he's like, yep. He's like, you're going to play right after the NASCAR race in here. Um, so <laughs> I was like, Sweet. I'm like, yeah, baby, this is a gig. You know, like I had set my PA up. Guys were like, come on, get up, get up for the dude. No, not yet. TV's, you know, watching the race. Dale, Dale's race. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, yeah, so that was my first one. I remember just being in there, you know, like playing a bunch of Pearl Jam covers and like Simple Man and stuff like that to try to just like, cause it was like all these like rough, like dude, just like a bar full of like rough dudes, yeah. like woodchuck main people. Yeah. yeah. And uh, lots of mullets going on. Oh, uh, so yeah. So that was one of the first songs I wrote was a song called Mullet Joe, which actually was inspired by the people of Maine and this like website called E-Bombs World. They were like, we were finding all this stuff about mullets. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so. I was what? actually thinking about that song. Today. When was that? When did you start writing your own stuff? Probably, I started tinkering in high school, but it was, you know, like I had one of those old, like I remember the first recordings I was making. You remember that little uh, thing they used in Home Alone? The little like. Oh yeah, the talk boy. The talk boy. Yeah. So we had one of those and I just like was recording stuff on it. Like I would listen back and I was just like, oh my God, I sound like this. This is, this is like the most awful thing <laughs> I've ever, I've ever heard. Why am I doing this? And, uh. So, yeah, so I was, like, tinkering a little bit at that point. I was learning how to sing and play. I guess, like, you know, freshman year in college, I was just, like, I, I met some dude on campus who had a guitar, and I would just try to jam with him. And so then I started writing songs just sitting in my dorm room because I didn't, you know, I was, like, one of the only people from the Midwest there. So right. I had, like, all these people from the East Coast, and they already had connections and friends. So I'd just be, a lot of times my freshman year, I was just, like, hanging out in my dorm room and sitting in the little um common area and just like playing guitar writing songs and just just going for it filling up notebooks with lyrics and stuff like that and you know it was cool because you know out in new england there's all these small colleges and yeah. there's ton there was like tons of live music happening all the time and the, the campus had music and all the other schools had music and all these bands like guster and dispatch and howie day and pat mcgee band and all these bands out there were like just navigating the east yeah. coast all the time so you'd see all these like we did cool shows constantly you know yeah. so i would always try to go to the shows you know and i i met this dude howie day who was a who was oh, yeah. fr he was from maine and he was pr opening up for they were called one fell swoop at the time they became dispatch and he opened up for them and he did this like cool looping thing at the show and i remember just being like like I never saw an acoustic performer yeah. really around here period. Cause I couldn't go to bars. Right. But in college I saw this guy and I was like, man, this guy's amazing. So I got super into him and that also John Mayer came out at that time. And I had my buddy hand me like a disc that had all John Mayer's like first songs from uh, prior to room. I think it was called inside wants out. He had like all this lot, you know, it was like when people were like, this was the beginning of Napster too. Yeah. 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 You know, so people were like bootlegging stuff, yep. putting it onto CDs and giving it to you. You know, like, dude, check out. Like, actually, CDs couldn't even hold that many songs. Yeah. <laughs> like, it would be like a CDR with MP3 files on it. Yep. You know, put this in your computer. Yep. And, and we just sit there and listen to that. So, yeah. So I, I started I started writing with a little bit more like wherewithal once I had heard Howie Day and started listening to him because I was like, this is kind of where I want to go. Right. Now. I kind of have like, I'm not going to be Led Zeppelin on acoustic guitar, but this is kind of where I want to go with my songwriting. And John Mayer came into that equation too. So. I got to look up Howie Day after this. Cause I think I have like a, a disc 
I'm, I'm almost positive. Like the name is so like whatever. What what, what was like a hit? Collide, I think, yes. was his biggest yeah. hit. Yeah. yeah, there we go. And that was that was well that was into it a ways, you know. But he had, I mean, he was packing places out like all yeah. over with just. I mean, he had he had an album called Australia, I think, which is was his first one, and it was you know he would do looping stuff, but it was acoustic guitar and and vocals. It was it was just good good songwriting stuff for that kind of. Uh, college uh you know it worked in the college scene for sure and he i think he collide was a radio hit yeah absolutely i could see him as a college boy for sure yeah Fuck. yeah so that was the beginning of the writing and then you know it just kind of snowballed from there i got out of college and i was like this is what i'm gonna do and my parents were like no you know you're not <laughs> and i was like yeah i'm like no that this i'm like so you know my dad i remember just vividly him saying like you don't have any gigs. Like, what are you going to do? You're not just going to hang out. You're not going to hang out at the house is basically what he told me. Like, you're not just going to sit in the basement and like right. play guitar and like tell me that you're doing things, but you're really just not doing anything. And right. I was like, all right, well, fine. I'm like, so I better, I'm going to go get some gigs. So I did. And I just kind of started as soon as I got back to Chicago. Cause I, I was like, I want to come back to the Midwest. Cause I was like, I had this plan of, I'm going to go play in college towns. I'm going to go hit up Bloomington and Champaign. And I'm just going to go, navigate around the midwest to start and see where it goes um so that's kind of what i did when i got back and i just kind of sat down and took took a piece of paper out and started writing down every place i could find and yeah easier in uh like new england everything's like 25 minutes away from you know so close together yep which you know and looking back on it i sort of wish i would have stuck around out there because i had by the time I was leaving there, I had a good following, and I right, just, and I had a right. and I had a strong connection to the college audience because and like once those kids were done with school, like they all moved back to all over New England, yeah. stick around out there. So I kind of had connecting points out there. And I came back to Chicago where I was just kind of like, all right, I'm back to the scene. Moved back for my college girlfriend at the time. I think that was that or the girl that I was dating went to Illinois State, so I was like, oh, got to move back to Illinois. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise. Otherwise, you know, life's going to, you know, stop here at 21. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I thought. Cool. Did you take uh, guitar lessons or are you all self-taught? You know, I didn't. I, I did finally, like probably in 2008 or nine, you know, something yeah. like that. But I you know the whole, you know, my uncle was my teacher. I, I, I would say, you know, he would. But it wasn't like the formal guitar lesson. Right, right. I, I never was going anywhere for lessons. It was basically just like go to his house you know, and I, and I, and then it was just ultimate guitar tabs and uh, yeah. and recordings and just trying. to We work. had this conversation with uh, our last guest, Lisa, and we were saying, would you, looking back at, it, would you have rather learn some stuff, or would you say you're proud that you you found your own way? I think I would have rather learned some stuff. I think it would have saved me a lot of time and given me better ideas and given me like more knowledge of what I was doing. I like, you know. Because I never wanted music to be so regimented, like music school style, where like it's hard to be, you know, feel creative because you know so much that it's like hard to get away from the, yeah, the, right. the theory. Yeah. And I always like, you know, because everything was just like following my ear. You know, every chord that I would change to was, I had no rhyme or reason for doing it other than like I knew the handful that would sound good together. I knew A minor, E minor, C, G, D, they were all going to work in yeah. some order. But I didn't know 
Oh, that's the two chord. That's the four chord. Right. Oh, this is interesting. I'm doing the same thing on this song just with a capo. Um, right. You know, <laughs> and I didn't realize that at the time. And then, you know, now the last several years where I've just like super like dove into theory a ton. Now I understand a lot of that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I, I wish I would have known a little bit of theory, you know, along the way. It probably would have helped, especially, you know, communicating with musicians and bands and stuff like yeah. that as you go, like where I felt like always the stupid guy in the room, you know, like, red, you know, they're like, what, what are you playing there? And I'm like, oh, I think it's B flat because I'm on capo three playing the G chord, you know, stuff like that where I just wish I was like, I'd go to that. Right. That would be my only regret, too, is, you know, being the dumb guy in the band, like, uh, having no... Fr I mean, I still don't know a note <laughs> on the fretboard. I mean, I know, like, you know, maybe, eight, like, a couple chords, you know, but... Yeah. That's I it. know, and it seems like something that's, like, it's so daunting to think about that stuff at the time when you're just like, I just want to sit and play, I don't want to think about that. And then, like, you spend a little time learning the theory stuff, and you're like, it just makes, it makes that decision quicker makes right. that access to the next chord decision like oh i could just go there or that's one option you know yeah speaking of i'm i spent like 10 minutes wasting my time on facebook with this dude that was like here's the pattern and this thing will work with everything that you do and it will all make sense and i'm gonna give it to you for free yeah and i believed him for 10 minutes and then he's like now give me your email. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, motherfucker. I know. I see the. I, I see those all the time. I, I mean, I, especially like, well, again, no YouTube either. So I feel like a lot of the people that are learning yeah. instruments now like have a leg up a little bit because it's like, oh, they can big time, not even they, a little bit. Yeah, they big can time. they can learn from some extensive, you know, website that has all of these different things. You know, like Active Melody is a guitar website I've used where, you know, like you can learn everything about the blues and all these different styles, chords, learn about inversions, everything that, you know, you would have to, I would just sit and go through books. You know, I have my books of jazz chords and stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, you sit through it, but it's like, all right, does this sound right? I don't know. It's like, you don't have it. Like now it's like, Here's a video of him playing it. Yeah. Here's the here's the tab. Yeah. Right. You know, here's everything that you actually possibly could ask for. Yeah. Um, and you can just click and you can have it. You know. So I think the I think these like subscription model sites now for guitar, piano, ukulele, all of this stuff. It's it's huge, not only for the creators but for the arts because now it's like you don't have to have that daunting task of as much yeah. of like. Actually, you don't even have to go to a private like professor and have the awkwardness of sitting in a room with somebody and taking lessons. You know, right. like yeah. you can just go and sit at your leisure on your you know laptop at home and just fire through lessons. Like I'm I'm doing that right now with this piano pig um, website. I've been learning piano for several years, and I was like, this guy does like jazz and neo soul and all this cool stuff. I wanted to get into, and he's like got this awesome platform where you can just do courses. He's got everything written out. It's yeah. like, man, and it's and it's twenty bucks a month, right? Where right. private lessons would be, you know, twenty bucks an hour. Yeah, I was gonna say at least. Yeah, <clears throat> so. I think I did piano lessons for like two months when I was I don't know, twelve or something, and uh, I would have been way better off with anything we have now because like the one on one, it just it didn't like. You know, my ADD or you whatever. Were, you were 12, you said? I don't even, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't even know. But it was, uh, I was just, you know, 
didn't want to learn what he was trying to teach me and he quit after i think it was two months he's like uh, i can't deal with this kid anymore like i had this <laughs> little, stupid little like yamaha you know what was it called the porta the porta john oh porta yeah whatever porta, <laughs> porta, porta two wasn't it i don't know what it was the, you know this like the, you know little yamaha synthesizer keyboard that my dad had bought five years prior or whatever which was really cool. It had little sliders and like it was the more advanced of of those things, but it had like tiny keys. Uh, and <laughs> it was, you know, it was like probably, you know, 40 keys or something like that. And my piano teacher would come come over with like classical music. And I and I was just like, you know, I don't want to do the piano. I'm going to learn on this today. And he's like, uh, what the hell? <laughs> and you know this is an amazing story and then he would try to, you know he'd be teaching me Beethoven and I would be like improvising kind of like well I kind of want to play it this way and he's like no it's written you know whatever and he just he's like I can't you need a jazz piano yeah that's what I'm learning now I'm taking jazz piano lessons from a guy I started with like three weeks ago and he's actually a he's a horn player and we're learning like saxophone lines actually on the keyboard but you know, like everything I learned in classical lessons, because now I'm like, I love lessons. Now I'm like, yeah. I want to take lessons. I take, I took piano lessons before COVID. I took classical because I was teaching at a music studio in Naperville. Um, so I was teaching there for 10 years next to a piano teacher. And finally I was like, I had tinkered around with it long enough that I was like, I should just learn like how to do this from somebody who knows what they're doing and can just probably in a half hour go through more technique stuff with me than I'm going to do on my own. Cause yeah. that's the side I think with having a teacher, but that's the other thing now is you can do this on zoom. You can do this right. on, you know, right. you can do it virtually and, and have somebody in the room with you without having to actually go to some place, yeah. you know, but I do, I, I think there's value in that. And I think it's like, even more like when you find the right teacher, it's like a mentor or friend that can, you know, teach you really cool stuff but also you know help you when you're just like i'm not making progress or i want to learn this or give me some direction or i feel like i'm hit a plateau so i'm working with this guy now and it's jazz piano so it's like nothing that you did in classical applies here right, it's like we're right. gonna he's like we're gonna work on like basically the ment how basically these lessons are gonna like teach you how to rethink like you're gonna learn relearn how to think about this yeah and i was like oh I like this. It's cool. Take a look. Just take a look at it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, we're not going to actually, he's like, you're not going to play all these notes. We're gonna think about it. <laughs> I like this. Are you thinking? I'm like, why aren't you wearing pants? It's not <laughs> <laughs> he's got, uh, he's got a show. He's got, he's got two, five, one tattooed on his ball sack. Exactly. That's all we're doing right now. Two. Jazz is all two, five, one. <laughs> take a look. We're just doing two, five. We're not even getting back to one. Yeah. We're just, it's just like all tension. Just every, every riff just ends in tension. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, man. Don't. I want to, I want to get to, uh, I want to get to the uke stuff. Yeah. But before we get to that, uh, I always ask this question or I'm going to be asking this question quite a bit. And I want to know, uh, where are you when you sing? Where am I mentally? Yes. To an audience. To an we audience. perform live, right? Right, correct. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting to think about that because when you first start kind of like trying to get ready to go sing out in public, which I had never really done until I did, um, I wasn't like growing up in church singing for anybody. You did know? you have so, pants on? One. I think one, one leg. It was like a one, <laughs> one-sided jeans. Yeah. Great outfit. <laughs> it was great. Just pant. Actually, the, pant. Actually, the fronts. I had the fronts. The back was just like... <laughs> 
assless uh, assless chaps. Assless chaps, yeah. Yeah, I mean, mentally, I I try to really take my I try to really center myself when I'm when I'm up there singing because I really try not I don't know I, I get away from I'm not thinking about the audience I'm just kind of in this zone where I kind of just kind of trying to pull all my focus and I'm not really thinking about the lyrics I'm sort of thinking about I just kind of tell myself to keep breathing you know keep supporting my vocal you know just to kind of keep putting putting emphasis into that versus you know I'm, I'm sort of thinking about the technical stuff a little bit and then of really just trying to like connect I'm trying to think about selling the song and performing. I mean, obviously, it's different when you're singing covers, but like at this sure. recent show we had at Pollyanna, where I felt like the audience was engaged and I was engaged with my music. And that's a, like, it doesn't get better than that, I don't feel like, you right. know, especially as a songwriter, when people are, you know, you can feel that from the audience, whereas when you're playing at some place where people are just kind of there and you're, you know, playing covers and playing some of your songs, it's a totally different, different animal. But that point I'm trying to connect. I'm trying to really, you know, convey that story, that message, um, you know, through the vocal, because that's kind of the, the selling point of the story, I guess, versus the, the four chords. Right. right. Very interesting. Yeah. Everyone has such a different, take on it you know <clears throat> yeah what are what are some of the what else, what else have you uh well for i i think i mean for myself i just i really don't i <clears throat> don't know where i go you know i mean like i get off stage and i kind of don't even remember playing yeah it's, sometimes it's, it's more weird. emotional it's like, for me you yeah know? you're like, like how did i just do you're like sometimes you're like how did i just go do that like i just went up there i played all this music this was all just in my head right like yeah. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> like mean it's that, weird it doesn't mean that i'm not present in the moment with what i'm doing throughout the show it just means that like if there's a particular song where i'm singing about something that was important to me or whatever Sometimes I just get off stage and it was just kind of like you're you're exerting so much energy and everything else and you're just kind of like whoa what did I just do yeah. you know and it's like that kind of feeling when you get off stage but yep yeah it's that's why I want to ask the question with every guest that we have because I feel like there's going to be a different answer for everybody yeah and I mean obviously there's there are songs for me too that hit closer to home um, you know stuff I've written about my dad and things like that where I definitely go to it a more like an emotional place when right. I'm there that actually connects me and sort of I do have kind of visual things that I attach to that kind of I don't know why I go there but you know I think we all can agree that music is sort of like this therapeutic release oh yeah you know whether it be instrumentation or you know writing songs and singing them too but it's like you said it's sort of like at the end of it you're just kind of like you know this like right. this weight sort of you know and, and I feel that when I don't perform for a while, I'm just sure. like, why am I wound? Like, why am I wound like this? You know, <laughs> it also depends on the room. And, yeah. And, you know, and if you're playing acoustically, if you're playing loud or whatever it might be, what you're getting from the crowd and what you're absorbing. And if they're understanding where you are in that moment, yeah. then you're getting that such personal close. Right. And it gets even more emotional and yep. you, you drift off even more. Yep. Just trying to connect. Yeah, that, 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 those are the moments it's like, that's the drug. You know, that's, that's the drug you want to keep coming back for. Right. That's, that's, that's why you sit there by yourself and will gruel over lyrics and chord progressions by yourself in a freaking room for hours. And it's like, oh, that, I enjoyed that. You know, a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't enjoy that. They don't, they don't even ever get to that point, you know. But Absolutely. it's like when you know that you can connect with people on that level, you know, <clears throat> whether it's 
10,000 people or, you know, uncommon ground where you're playing for <laughs> like 20 people in the back room, but they're all dead quiet and you're playing something and they're hanging on every word. Yeah. I feel like those are, those performances are just as intense, if not more so sometimes, cause there's like, it's just you and them. Yeah. You know, are you making eye contact? Are you trying to, or yeah. are you I, I, I mean, head downer? No, I don't think I'm head downer. I think sometimes I'm, you know, depending on the situation, you know, sometimes I'm right over the top of people's heads, but a lot of times I'm right in people's eyes just, you know, and I'm kind of moving around because I can feel when somebody's actually, you know, like you can pick up on it when yeah. you're looking in the audience of who sometimes immediately is right in and some people who it's kind of like, eh, they're kind of sort of there. And then it's like, oh, then there's that song that's like now they're in. You yeah. know, and now you have them yeah. in. Well, your attention kind of naturally <clears throat> goes towards that person that you know is into yep. it, compared yep. to obviously the person next to them that's maybe yeah. checking their phone or something. You right. Know? Yeah, and when you have people that come out and see you play, you know, more often, like those are kind of like your plants too, you know, like for the smaller shows where you're like, you kind of look to them because you know they're singing the words back to you already. They're kind right. of in. And then other people are looking like, oh, huh, they know. Why they does know. he only have one pant? <laughs> I can see an ass cheek <laughs> and a ukulele. <laughs> so what is your songwriting process? Do you get inspired, have an idea, sit down and, and write it out? Or do you sit down and say, I'm going to write a song now and then look for inspiration? I feel it's, it's an, <clears throat> for me, it's like an ongoing process that I kind of have going in multiple locations. I'm writing lyrics in my notes and yep. that and those are like on my computer and everything too because it's iCloud. So those are just traveling with me all the time. Right. And a lot of those ideas of course come when I'm driving someplace, you know, or when I'm by myself and it's like boom, idea hits me or I'm listening to something and a word phrase captures me and I and I jot that down. And I kind of have these notes going by month. Yeah. And I'm just logging lyrics sometimes it's a verse sometimes it's a verse chorus bridge sometimes it's one line you know and I, I just have those in there and then as i sit down and you know i'll sit down and play the acoustic over the last handful of years you know forever it was just the acoustic really yeah. it was just like always the acoustic guitar capo someplace chord progression yeah. um chord progression maybe you know, sometimes would come from something I was already listening to or trying like a cover that I had learned and I was trying to rework the chords for that. And yeah. then it was go back to those phrases, go back to those lyrics and then kind of take that theme and, and, and run with it. Sometimes it, you know, it ended there. Sometimes it ends with two lines and you're just like, ah, you know, like I won't force it, you know, right, just right. like, I'm not somebody who, I can't just like, if I'm, it's hard, I, I can't just like force out a whole bunch of lyrics that don't have any connection to me sometimes i feel like they have to have some some meaning right um so and but i you know i'm always learning about it and trying to grow in that process too so yeah it started with the i start with the acoustic and then i'm basically kind of creating a melody over that vocally yep. so a lot of times it's like and i saw somebody do this in a documentary about nashville songwriters the guy's like yeah i kind of i start writing you know the chord progression that i like and then I start mumbling a bunch of stuff over it. And that might just be kind of random things, but I'm gonna listen back to that. And, right. I, and I record everything on my phone or at my little studio at home. 
Um, and I always record those ideas. Pretty much as soon as I start feeling like something might be okay, right. I'm like, I'm recording because I'm like, you know what? There's been too many times where I've been like, I'll remember that later. Yeah. And then like I go in and make a piece of toast, and I'm like, oh my god, what was that? Yeah, and never, I'm, never make toast. No. I, I used to do the same. Th- I used to be like, oh, I'm gonna go and uh, you know, if I remember this in the morning, it's a fucking hit. But nope. <laughs> as I get older. It's not. It's not working out. That <laughs> way. Yeah, or the, I just haven't written a hit. Well, it's like you know. I, I mean, I've I've had it happen all sorts of ways too. I mean, I've had dreams where I was you know writing songs and woke up like I got I got to sit down and write this down, you know, type of thing. And then I've had other times where it's been on a hangover or in a session where it's like we were trying to write something and did and it worked, you know. So right. it's been all. It, I feel it's like. Yeah, it, it's everything, you know. When you when you write, it's just like I feel like it's being an artist too. It's just like there's there's gonna be things you're you're kind of just there to interpret. Um, you know, there's all these things happening and being said, and you're trying to put them down on a piece of paper and tell that story. Right. What what would you say your most success is though? Just kind of waking up and oh shit, I got a song, or or really trying to work it is when you. Get I think the best. when I when I can actually sit down you know I've, I've had some really good co-writing situations where i feel like a lot of times it's just like i need somebody to be like what about this you know and i'm like oh yeah you know yeah. just some somebody who can just even tweak something or say like oh well okay well you've said this already you know where when you're in your own head it's like it's hard because you're doing this thing where with writing it's like you've got this creative side that's just blowing all this stuff out and then you've got the organizer side of your brain who's like, no, make sure that line is, you know, the syllables aren't right for that, you know? So it's, it's hard to, and I feel like in co-write, that some of those co-writes have been some of my best successes where I've had a producer there that can, you know, that's also a writer who's like, think about this, or this would be a cool chord change. And then all of a sudden the chorus is there that you might've beat your head against the wall forever trying to figure out right. that chord change. Um, but I think, you know, some of the stuff that I've liked the most is when I've just had to do it. You know, like right now I'm getting ready to record again in Seattle in um, like early January. So now I'm writing with a lot more intention. You know, I'm not just free writing. You know, it was like when I've had bands and we were getting ready to go record, it was like, let's write songs. You know, like, and, and I'm more attention to detail, more like, and eh, you know what? I'll, I'll finish that tomorrow. It's like, no, let, let's try to work this out, you know? Because mm. I feel like when you get into this, like, open-ended, like, eh, I'm just going to write, you know? It's like sometimes you don't. Sometimes you go a long time without writing anything, and right. then it's harder to get that. I feel like when, when I'm writing, I'm writing all the time. And then when there's those periods of time, like COVID, I wasn't writing much at all, you know? But I was like, I was not inspired by much all either you know there was nothing was changing nothing was yeah <laughs> was like this going to home depot was not like uh you know inspiring the next the next song yeah. where what what's up with seattle so seattle i worked with a producer out there named ryan hadlock in 2013 who i just i met him randomly because i was really into the lumineers first record like i i discovered the Lumineers on VH1 and I was like oh this is really cool this I is- love that band by the way. yeah and I was like this is totally different than anything like that it w- that was happening well it was kind of in the Mumford and Sons era right so I heard Ho Hey and I was like man that's a great catchy song I'm like 
cool video, all this stuff. And, you know, it was just kind of one of those like moments where I was like, huh. Then I heard Stubborn Love and I was like, man, what a great tune. I was like, so I, you know, I was listening to their stuff. So I just looked up who produced this record and I found this guy, Ryan Hadlock, did it at the studio called Bear Creek Studio in Seattle. It's right outside, right outside of Seattle in the foothills. And I said, yeah, um, hey, my name, I called out there, just cold called the studio. I was like, hey, can I talk to this uh, Ryan Hadlock? Uh, and the guy's like, who is this? You know, and I was like, <laughs> this is Friday. I'm like, um, yeah, I'm like, and I'm, I'm like, listen, I'm, this is happening. I'm sitting at a Panera, um, like on my break from teaching, you know, I was just like sitting there like, please, I would, please let him answer the phone. Yeah. Please, so, please so the, phone. so the guy that was there, the intern was like, yeah, sure. He's like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll connect you. So he gets on the phone and I sent him some, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, you know, send me your stuff. I'll check it out. Blah, blah, blah. So I did. And he was like, cool. He was like, yeah, man. He's like, we can do something together. Um, you know, here's, here's the budget. Here's blah, blah, blah. Really cool studio. Cause you can just live there too. It's got a big loft. The studio's incredible. They've been there for a long time. They used to do tons of like TV film scoring and all this stuff. And then Ryan is the second generation and he's been doing records out there. So he did the Lumineers. He did a, a lot of the Vance Joy stuff. They did Fleet Foxes. They've done like a lot of the sub pop stuff was done there. Um, I mean, Lionel Richie, a lot of the 90s stuff was even done there well, too with like the Soundgarden and Foo Fighters stuff. A lot of happened there too. Um, so we were out there. It was kind of larger than life for me. Right. Um, you know, I was just like, but, but incredible place to work. And I met the engineer, his name's Jerry. Um, he did a lot of the work on the record. You know, it's like Ryan would leave at five and Jerry would be there from five till whenever we were done doing harmonies and like, hey, let's put a glockenspiel part down on this. He's like, yeah, let's, yeah Mike, get a mic. Let's go. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. And because uh, he lived on the property. So it was like this cool thing. So me and Jerry have remained in touch. Um, and then before COVID, we were launching this new band called Pleasure Cruise, which basically was supposed to release in June of 2020. And with COVID, we just, I just was like, I'm not releasing this music right now. I'm not putting it out when I can't do anything like to I don't, support it. Yeah. I can't do anything to support them. I can't go even play a show. So what's the point of doing this? Like we just worked on this for a year. And so we were recording in Batavia at Kiwi. He came out here. So we recorded with a bunch of guys. And so <clears throat> in this period of time since, I mean, he's had a child. I've had two. We were like, how are we going to finish this thing? And we've tried to do it remotely. And I'm like, it's just not working. Like, I, I, I can't do this back and forth, just like sending each other tracks. I'm like, I don't even want to send you the stuff that I'm doing. I don't even know if it's any good. <clears throat> so I was, he's like, you know what? He's like, why don't we just go back to Bear Creek? Let's go back to the studio, be in the same room. He's like, let's work with some of the people that we worked with out here before. And uh, and that was about it. So he's he's now Brandy Carlisle's like front of house sound. So he tours with her all the time, which and he produces records kind of in between. So interesting. Yeah. So he's married to Brandy's wife's sister. So he's very in tight with their family and everything. So he's like, yeah, he's like, we'll get some of the players out here that I'm hooked in with and stuff and we'll finish the record and and january so so that's wow. the plan that's that's the connection and <clears throat> long story of seattle but now i'm returning there well i'm glad i asked because we almost passed the buck on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on but yeah 
I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm kind of, like I said, I feel like that's my best recipe for success is like when I'm actually working with somebody closely and, and we're just there to, to get the idea out and see it through. Yeah. And that's going to come out as Pleasure Cruise? That's TBD. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure yet. We're, we're still trying to make that decision. I, I want, I won't deep down. I want it to be, Yeah. you know, whether it's a Kevin Presbury project with a rotating cast of characters, I would love it not to be that. You right. know, I've always wanted to be in this group situation where we could all just work towards the same goal. Right. Easier, easier said than done as we all know. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's the thing though. It's like, I won't be, I'm not going to just not do it though because of that. So Right. I, I'm just trying to make the decision of do I go more of my ukulele, uh, baritone uke, acoustic route that, you know, because the Pleasure Cruise stuff was leaning more into this kind of like war on drugs, synths, and uh, kind of more keyboard heavy stuff, which I'm totally into that now too. So it's kind of like I'm trying to figure out yeah. how, to, how to put all of these things <laughs> together to yeah. do it. Stuff. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, maybe you might be the new, you know, synth slash baritone. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, what if I combine these like organic and electronic worlds sort of, you know, like come in with these kind of um, ideas that I've done on baritone and uke and kind of add some of the synthesis and some of the, you know, I, I, I play a I play a Juno <clears throat> and I love some of these like huge plush sounds that you get out of that. I don't know how exactly we're going to marry it together, but I feel like, I feel like we can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say, don't think about it. Just do it, you know, and yeah. listen back and whatever, but you can never go wrong if you're having fun. You know, it, if you try to be too serious with it, it's never going to come out. Exactly. I mean, some people, you know, make it happen, but I think the, the recipe is always going to be just have fun. That's what it was the first time around. That's why when he was like, let's go back to Bear Creek, I was like, dude, we could have said, you could have said that a couple of years ago. And I would have said yes, you know, cause I, yeah. cause I enjoyed the experience out there so much. And I just felt like, you know, and I think with recording too, it's like, I like to be away from my home base too, like where I'm in sort of a different environment. I feel like I write a little bit differently. Right. I'm thinking a little bit differently. I'm not, I'm not attached as much to everything that's going on in my daily life. And, uh, you know, the, the business side of music and the family and everything like that. It's like, I feel like when you can actually just go in the studio and be a musician all day and write, you know, like I remember, I remember writing in the studio out there on the last, on the 2013 record, Dust on the Dust. And I was like, you know, there were nights where I was just like, you know, like redoing, reworking lyrics, just sitting there late at night. And, you know, and then the next day we're recording them. You know? You're free. You're free. Exactly. You have that. And you feel it. Yep. Where here, you know, <clears throat> I'm down in my basement. The dogs are barking upstairs at the mailman. You I know. know. Yep. So it's it's a lot more challenging. That's the whole thing. It's like, yeah, it's great. You can record anything in a home studio, but it's like, at what you know, at what risk though? It's like, you hear like the door slam behind yeah. you, and like the kids scream, and you're going like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I'm just laying down an acoustic guitar party. <laughs> it's like, so, yep. so most of that has to happen like post 10 p.m. now nowadays. Right. Dogs humping each other and <laughs> humping you. Yep. Yeah. Whoa. What's One that, that red rocket. Why is that? Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm definitely most creative when I'm completely alone. It's dark outside, you know, and I know there's no 
like I'm just isolated, you know. Yeah. There's not going to be, well, okay, you know, dinner's ready in 20 minutes or whatever. Creeping in the dark. That's right. Does that happen here more for you at never. all? No, I was going to say never. <laughs> no. So it's got to be it's got to be somewhere else. Yeah. Essentially. Kind of. You know what I want to bring to the show is where we have to sit around with whoever the guest is. We won't do it today. But and you have to play the last voice memo that you recorded on your phone. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to actually play what I what I did today. I don't know what exactly because i recorded like five or six and sent them to mike and uh a few other yeah. friends but i think it would be kind of like a fun oh, game because being for a treat because mine's 12 minutes and nine seconds well <laughs> you know a snippet a, a snippet but i i think that would be an excellent fun way of oh yeah uh, you know i don't even know if i have any because i got a new phone here here like this this would be uh this would be my last song that i recorded on my phone Oh, wait, I guess I got to turn it up because I got everything on mute here. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> almost, I almost called 911. <laughs> that would have been even better. 911, what's your emergency? I can't, I can't find my voice memo. <laughs> Doing a podcast here. Oh, I wonder if it won't play because we have uh That's kind of weird. I think it'll play. All right, call 911. Here we go. Hey, motherfucker, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. It's time to. That's we're gonna record that right after this. I like this. I think that's done. I think that's you sell that as a ringtone. Yeah, you? right. That's a jingle right there. But we're gonna do this. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a fantastic game to play with. You know, it's gonna shock the shit out of everybody. Yeah. Um <clears throat> so you have this ukulele beautiful is it YouTube also, or is it just a... Yeah, it all started on YouTube, really. It started with just kind of making some, you know, I, I got into the uke, and I was learning all kinds of stuff off of YouTube. I was learning all these different strumming patterns and songs and stuff like that, and I, I found, like, Hawaii Music Supply um, had, like, a bunch of tutorials on, you know, really, like, not just, like, oh, here's how you play, you know, Riptide and stuff like that. I, you know, I, I started learning all this stuff from Jake Shimabukuro, who was, like, this virtuosic uke player from hawaii younger guy he, Great to name. he tours the world i mean he's played for the queen of england he's done all the stuff just him solo on a uke and he plays bohemian rhapsody while my guitar gently weeps all these like incredible incredible covers just instrumentally doesn't sing um he's playing the full range like on a 12 fret instrument which is which is crazy um so i got into his stuff and was learning all this stuff from him, basically. And then I started making my own little video tutorials, essentially, of like, here's how to play this song by Kings of Leon, or here's how to play this Beatles song. Um, and then I started making up my own little songs. So it's, Did you use that voice? Here's how you play. Here's how you play. Um, no, my first video was awful. So I, I made this video called The Happiest Ukulele Song in the World. I was sitting on a rock, like, by a lake in Springfield, Springfield Lake down Southern Illinois. I was driving back from St. Louis. I was like, I'm just going to chill out here on this rock and uh, play some uke. And I just set my phone down below me. It's like an under chin video of me playing uke. And I just uploaded it right from my phone at the time and didn't think anything about it. I made this channel called uke because I, I was in the painkiller hotel thing was coming to an end. 
I made it. I was like, I'm just going to name the channel Uke, Uke Killer Hotel. So, so I uploaded this video and I named it the happiest ukulele song in the world. It's like a minute long. It's, it's still up there. I think it's like over a million. It's close to a million views now or something like that. But I put it up there and all these people were like, that's not the happiest song. This is, <laughs> this is trash, dude. Nice. You look like this guy. You sound like this. You know, it's like there's wind in the video. It's just, it's bad. But I, but it got a bunch of traffic on that. So after I saw that that had done something, I was like, all right, I'll make another one. So I make one called the prettiest ukulele song. And I was on a cruise ship. And it was just like, you know, the cruise ship's going. I'm playing the song on the on the porch of this uh, cruise ship and uploaded that. Got some pretty good traction on that, too, because I just basically I, I was annotating everything or annotating everything into my previous videos. So it's like if you like the happiest song, check out this one. Uh, it would yeah. pop up mid video. And this was like, I mean, I feel like this was still early, earlier your YouTube era, you know, because like there was no getting paid and stuff like it was just starting with that, too. So I, there was that wasn't even a part of the equation. I was like, eh, if, if anybody watches this, this would be like at least good exposure for me for my original music. So that video is really what changed everything, because people were like, teach me how to play that song. Oh, it's a pretty song. How would you play that or how to make a tutorial for that? Mm -hmm. So I had all these comments and I was answering all the comments and like communicating with all these people on there as I was doing this. Cause I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Like people are into this, whatever. And same time, ukulele, you know, sort of blowing up with the whole somewhere over the rainbow thing. Train came out with uke song. Vance joy came out with uke song. Pop artists were coming out with all this stuff on uke and people were like, make a tutorial. So I make a tutorial in my kitchen at the house I live in now. Again, just, phone in front of me here's how you play it i put the tab and chords in the description just like you know here's how you play this blah 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 so then i kind of just didn't do anything i was busy doing this other record and stuff 2013 the youtube channel was there wasn't really doing much but so i went this again some weird panera connection here again i was like on a break i hadn't even checked the U like the ukulele channel forever and I saw that that video had like 75,000 views on it or something for this tutorial I made of a song I made up. And most of it, again, was like, this is not the prettiest song. Um, you sound like the guy from How I Met Your Mother. You look like this guy or you sound like Tom Hanks or whatever it is. They're just like burning. You it got was one pant. Like, um. <laughs> like, they're just burning me, you know. So I, anytime, like, I would just see that, I would, like, heart that comment, you know, people like that. But then all these people are, like, defending me, too. So there's, like, why are you being mean to him? He's just playing ukulele. He's just trying to teach us how to play ukulele. You're mean, you know. So there's all this, like, awesome. there's all this under, you know, current stuff happening where I'm just, like, okay, well, you know, whatever. So I make, you know, so then I meet Brittany, who does all of my filming and editing, um, I met her in like 2016. So I was, I was at this point, I was trying to make my own videos. It's really hard to make your own videos and edit and do and see the whole process through, you know, it's, it's to come up with everything and then see it all the way through the, you know, everything. So I was at office Depot one day and I met the girl at the checkout line. Cause I was like getting ready to mail some vinyl out for one of my releases. And she's like, Hey, I make music videos and stuff like that. If you're ever interested, I was like, I'm like, no, I'm like, actually, though, I'm like, I've got this, like, idea of this, like, ukulele channel, though, and I want to do it more professional, but I don't really have the, you know, I, I bought a camera, but I don't really have the, you know, 
I don't have a backdrop and all this stuff, but I don't really know what I'm doing, you know. So she's like, well, we can do that, you know. So she, you know, just I was like, I was like, man, I remember coming home that day and I was like, yeah. I'm like, we're gonna just like film at the house and I was like, this is gonna be weird, just like me and her here doing this, you know. I was like, screw it. I'm like, I so I met with her, came came up with a plan. I was like, all right, we're gonna film in the house. Um, it's gonna be really casual looking and. We're gonna just do these more, you know. We're gonna actually have real graphics, and I'm gonna put up PDFs for all of the stuff on the videos. So we do a tutorial for prettiest ukulele song in the world, like a real one, um, and put it up. And we did it in my office, at the house, and now it's probably got like two or three million views on the thing. And it was just, again, still people like you know burning me for this, burning me for that. But it was getting all these views. And now if you search like pretty ukulele or like ukulele, it's one of the top like Google searches now is this, this song because of all the engagement it got. So that was crazy. So I just, you know, from there I was like, all right, well, I got to make more content now. Like I don't have anything real going on here. I just have like this song. And so I was like, all right, we'll start making popular song tutorials. So I'm doing everything I can think of, you know, anything new that would come out whether it was a video game popular song, I was doing holiday songs, doing all this other stuff, doing Beatles songs, Hotel California, all this stuff. And it was it was getting good traction, but it wasn't great because people who watch like song tutorials kind of just jump. You know, they're like, I want to learn this tune, <clears throat> I move. Sure. And yeah. uh, so I was like, all right. I'm like, I, I was watching this yoga instructor at the time called Yoga with Adrian, and she does these like 30-day series of yoga on YouTube, and they're free. Um, but the, the catch is, like, you do full, you can do full yoga classes with her on there. But she's got her premium site where you can do the courses and get all the extra stuff and go to her live classes and things like that. So it kind of dawned on me. I was like, I need to start making content to, like, keep people here because they're all just jumping ship, you know? Like, they're subscribing, but it's like, if they don't like the next song that's going to come out, then... Why are they going to come back to this channel? So I started making, like, I came up with this concept called the Kickstart series. It was a 10-video series, um, starting from the basics of how do you hold the instrument? How do you, you know, how is it tuned? How do you hold this basic chords? And then just, like, most of the video is just, like, here's a chance, here's an opportunity for you to play along with me. So, like, I sit there, put the metronome on, and we just go, and we strum, and I'm sitting there encouraging them and saying, like, hey, you're doing a great job. We're going to go to the F chord, and now we're going to go to the G7, and you got this. Let's well one more time through. So when I started doing that, that's when it really kind of, like, just took off. It wasn't just about, like, the stupid song tutorial and, like, the kind of clickbaity uh, videos anymore. People are starting to come to me, like, Hey Kevin, I love you know I love this. this is, I just got my uke today, and I I found your series. It's been super helpful. Um, so I started. I put all of the course materials on my website, and did it all for free, for four or five years of just this free website where I had a huge library of PDFs for people, and they could just give me their email, and I would send them the P, or they would just download the PDF then. So from there, I just <clears throat> kind of took it built this massive e mailing list from that and built up like 10,000 or more people. Um, and people started hitting me up like, hey, um, I want to support you, but you don't have a Patreon. Um, do you have like a PayPal me or something we can like donate to you or whatever? 
and people were responding to my emails with this. So I was like, sure. I'm like, I'll, I'll create one, just see what happens. So I created this PayPal me um, and put it out there in this mass mailing list. And all these people are like sending me money. Thank you. $50. Thank you. I've been learning with you for the whole year. Like, you know, I wanted to support you. You know, it's just organic. And um, all these people are sending me, you know, little tips and money in that way. So when I put it out there, like, hey, I'm thinking about making this like a subscription site, um, you know, would you be interested? It would be more formal. It's like, we don't have to deal with Patreon. We'll just do it through the website. You can get all the content and more and always have access to it. Um, and you'll still get everything you had before for $10 a month or $100 a year. And then we launched that during COVID, during 2020, which it wasn't planned to do just because of COVID. We were planning on doing it just to see if it worked. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's been, now it's kind of my main income of my of my whole music uh, umbrella, really. So, and it's it just wonderful. keeps rolling on. So now the, mm -hmm. the challenge is continuing to create new content and, and different stuff for people. But I feel like I've got more reputation around the world from teaching ukulele to people than I ever did really in songwriting, um, <clears throat> which I wanted, you know, as more, but... You know, it's like people know me my name by Kevin around the world for just teaching them how to play a bar, well, I mean, bar chord. <clears throat> I think that's kind of, it kind of goes around, comes around, right? So what the best part of this is, is that you built this super informational highway for everyone that wanted to learn how to play the ukulele, the fans of 21 Pilots, all these people, it just, it's become so huge, right? Yeah. But now <clears throat> you have everyone that's, you know, obviously wanting to help you out and throw you a few bucks <clears throat> to say thank you, but then you got a record coming out. Right. So now you built your audience off of giving information and helping them, and now they're going to hear your music and fall in love with you even more. And before you know it, you're going to have this incredible fan base that you still would have had if you would have kept playing music. But instead, you yeah. decided to kind of like take a break, do this, and start this cool thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. How, you know, I feel like that happens in other careers too, you know, aside from music, but it's kind of like you find your audience. If you can find an audience somewhere, somehow, it doesn't matter how you find them. It's just kind of the fact that they're, they're behind you. Um, that, and that's kind of why, you know, with this, with this record, you know, I've thought about this. I'm like, the, the people that I've now become close with, you know, that are, that are now attached to my music, like, I think the uke thing and the baritone uke and all this stuff has got to be part, it's got to be more of a presence, I, I feel like, in there, too. So, right, right. I feel like that's the way the world's going to start going, <clears throat> possibly, where, you know, it used to be record labels and this and that and all. I feel like we're going to just support each other. Yeah. I feel, like it's, I feel like it's going that direction because, yeah, it, it really is because it's just that we never had that. You guys didn't have that. You couldn't directly, like, communicate with artists that you liked when you were growing up. Right. Really. You know, and now it's, like, it's, it's accessible. Like, you can... I mean, whether you want to get on Twitter and like tweet at somebody, but you can do it now. Like right. <laughs> maybe they're not reading or maybe they don't answer. But like when Michael Jordan was, he was larger in life. You couldn't touch him. You know, like there was, there was no. That's how Tom did it. What they go to Metro and he wanted to see Weezer. He'd bring a plain white tease cassette, you know, and then he would freaking wait around, wait around, wait around. He wasn't going anywhere until he saw one of them get on the bus and then he would do anything he could to get yeah. five seconds with them and give him right. a tape, you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, and that's the way it worked back then, too. It was just like, you know, I remember going down to the city, like, I would just plan 
just like, all right, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to bring a stack. I sat and burned CDs all day today. I'm going to go down there and hand them. I'm going to hand them to not. I'm going to try to get them to the band, but I'm going to try to hand them to the people that go to these shows to try to get them to, you know, check out new music. Yeah, I don't know. I still feel like that works, but I feel like wasn't there used to be like download cards? Wasn't that like the the free for a little bit? Yeah, or something like that instead of having like a CD or something like that. I feel like if you still had, I feel like it it can still work, but at the same time, it's gonna go out the window faster than it would have like yeah, ten years ago. That's what I'm trying ago. to think of, like what would it be now? Because I'm trying to think of that for my new record. I'm like, because I want to give it to people, everybody I see, but it's like, what's the best way to do that now? Can I just like take my phone and like bump their phone, and all of a sudden it goes on there? You know, it's like how do you- so many ways that we don't <clears throat> even know, which yeah. I think is kind of the amazing part, right? I think if you start googling like that there's probably like yeah you could just bump phones with somebody yeah i'm sure that there's got a lot a of phone bumping <laughs> <laughs> phone bumping <laughs> another another song tonight yeah it's weird to you know back in the day for somebody to support you know an artist that they really loved or whatever not even to support them but to i don't know to discover them you know, you had to have a record label. You had to have your tape or CD or whatever at Tower Records. And then, you know, a kid would go there and buy it. Nowadays, you know, the internet opens that up. You know, you post something on the internet, anybody in the entire world can have access to it without right now any hassle at all. Mm-hmm. I have noticed that posting only a snippet of a song like literally like 10 seconds or whatever just the chorus you know that is the only way to do it to get any kind of attention right you put a full song on there or something oh yeah well yeah you got to give them here's the catchiest part well as usual but i'm saying like in general like you know like the whole story instagram stories and facebook stories and stuff or whatever that is the way to like don't you no one even like looks at your feet anymore right right yeah Let's set up, and it's kind of like a double-edged sword because it's like, it's great. You can access like click, 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 but it desensitizes you sort of to like being able to sit and listen to a song and like, you know, so it's now it's just like, and it's changed the way I think people write in a sense too, because it's like, I got to get, it's got to be the super catchy thing right now. And we only capture that. And then people are going to like consume the hell out of it right now. But it's like, but then again, Taylor Swift's got 10 songs in the top 10 right now on Billboard. You know, and yeah. that's a different animal. She broke the internet. Yeah, yeah I remember seeing know, an article or something a couple of years ago that was like, you have to have vocal in your song within the first, you know, half a second. Otherwise, people are just skip, 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 skip. Like, you have to be right off the bat, here's the vocal, yep. engage them instantly, or you get skipped on Spotify or whatever. Yep. That's the Which thing. is crazy, you know? I know. Well, that's the thing now, too. It's like, yeah, like I'm listening to the radio all the time when I drive around. You know? Yeah. Because sometimes I'm like, I don't want to screw around with Spotify on my you know, phone and everything. Like, I just want the radio on. Just tell me what to listen to right now. Right. You know, like I but I don't know that any I don't know that younger people know what that even feels like because they've never had anybody tell them. They, they really haven't had it curated for them. It's right. always uh, been like that's really interesting. They've had a playlist made for them on Spotify, but they've never had to sit and listen to like the dj who knew like kind of what the hip stuff was and maybe he missed out on some of the stuff too but they'd sit there and you know like they were picking the cool music 
and, right. and you were 17 and you were like, oh, dude, I just heard this. And then somebody you tell somebody about it. You know, it's 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 I feel like they're kind of missing out on that because I feel like it was such a romantic period for music. Oh, for sure. You know, they're definitely missing out on that for sure. Yeah. Radio. I mean, Dick Biondi and cruising around with my old man, listening to Dick Biondi talk about the Beach Boys. Yeah, oh. because it was more story and you know there was more of that too you know it's just it wasn't just like these songs that are flash in the pan and gone right type of thing too i do believe we're going to find our way you know one way or another or our kids will i i don't think it's going to be like you know it's just going to be their way of doing it you know yeah yeah but either way it's still i've i i really have hope that they'll find some kind of like you said romantic way of looking at and being introduced to music hopefully compared to you know we're just going to start singing right from the beginning. And yeah. I mean, because there's, I mean, I'd probably say there's more musicians in the world now than there ever have been and more people making music than there ever has been. It's just like, is the quality of that content all like at that level that it was, you know, the radio stuff was probably not, but everybody has the opportunity now, you know, right. which is great, which is, which is great. But the gatekeeper is the gatekeeper system is totally changed. Right. Well, there's almost no gate anymore. Yeah. It's like the, the floodgates have opened. The signal to noise ratio is off the charts. It's just, you know, all noise. And then you have your like mega stars mm-hmm. that are like, you know, shining in the sky or whatever. Yeah. But even like discovering music is tough. There's like, I, f- I forget what the figure is, but it's like 40,000 new tracks are released every hour or something like that. Yeah. Whoa. Or it's yeah something crazy. Yeah, that's what I mean when I say it's desensitizing because it's like there's so much now that it's like I love music. I love discovering artists. I'll listen to Discover playlists on Spotify and like just because I'm like I'm hoping that yeah. one tune just is like oh yeah you know like right. I I found this, but again I've also been listening to WXRT for the last handful of years too, just driving around and occasionally I you know I hear somebody cool and I'm like oh that. That's a cool new artist that I hadn't hadn't heard of, and I'm I'm glad I found about you know like, Hiss Golden Messenger. There's a artist out of North Carolina that I've been digging for the last couple of years, but it was a one. It was a like, am I 17 again? I heard this song on yeah. XRT when I was driving to Jewel, and I was like, I like that track. Yeah, and it wasn't like the old days though, where I sat there and I was like, who is that? Because right. the DJ never said. Right. So I was like. All right. Well, I'm got to get the tape recorder. Well, I'm like, no, I'm going to Shazam this. I'm going to Shazam yeah. the radio in my car, yeah. and then I'll find out who this is, and then I can listen to his whole record, his whole catalog, find out everything I want about him, and yeah. you know, in the next five minutes. Yep. So. And thus, a fan is made. Yeah, exactly. Just like that, that easy, you know. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's different now, obviously, and it, and it will continue to change. I'm sure. What uh, what are your socials? Where can we find you at? I am Kevin Presbury on IG and Facebook and all that stuff, and my website's Kevin Presbury. Um, and then All for Uke, A L L F O R U K E, is also on Instagram. Um, the YouTube channel is All for Uke. Uh, the website is All for So yeah, the the two worlds I live in, all all out there. Fantastic. Also, uh, Spotify, all the usual places. Yeah, the original iTunes. Mu- yep, the original music's on all that stuff too. Uh, Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes, 
Untitled, whatever. I don't know if it's Untitled. I just made that up. But yeah. <laughs> Good enough. Yeah. Just like I made up, I only one, wore one pant leg. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any pants on. Well, um, I'd like to uh, conclude this session by saying thank you very much for being on our podcast. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's been awesome. You, yeah. uh, you really kind of actually threw me for a loop there. The, you're way more in-depth than I, I mean, I knew you did, you know, but as far as the music stuff, like this whole Lumineers thing and how you went off on that and now you're going back there, that, that's, uh, yeah. I'm kinda, I'm re- I really can't wait to hear that. I'm a, I'm a hopeless romantic at heart, so I, I love these, like, you know, kind of going off and putting myself in a situation that's kind of, like, uncomfortable that, like, yeah. maybe something amazing could happen from this. Cold call in the studio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, because I'm like, but I think about that. I'm like, if I never would have picked up the phone and just like, yeah. been afraid, um, because I've, there's been a million times where I have, and I and I didn't do that many times again. You know, it's like, but I just kind of follow. You know, I follow my heart on a lot of this stuff, and you know, doesn't always work out. But when it does, you know, well, it's an awesome story to light up the record with. You know, I was just gave it a cold shot in the dark, and. <laughs> yeah. uh, this guy decided to take a chance on me. Right. And here we go. Right. Damn, that was a really fun conversation with Kevin. Thank you so much for being on our show. Allforuke.com. Head on over there, sign up for some lessons. You'll be rocking that ukulele by the end of the week. To the Bottom Music Podcast has been a production of Mike Rotondo and myself, Eric Barak. Stay informed over at ToTheBottomMusicPodcast.com for all of our up-and-coming guests and everything we got going on. Thank you for listening.